Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. For those of you who are listening to us outside of the Republic of South Africa, let me just give you a little bit of history of what today actually is. It is, in South Africa, Freedom Day. Now, for those of us who are old enough to remember, it is the day that South Africa celebrates the new rainbow nation. Yeah, so Freedom Day, of course, the 27th of April. It is the day that the country in 1994, euphoria, blacks, Indians, mixed-race voters all stood in long, long, and even longer queues to vote for the very first time for a democratic South Africa. I'm not going to go into what's happened since 1994. I'm sure everybody has their own opinion. All I'm going to say is we've now been left in the dark, haven't we? But it has been a monumental sporting journey for South Africa since readmission into the world of sport. We've won the African Cup of Nations. We've hosted World Cups in cricket, in rugby. We've won the Rugby World Cup on a number of occasions. We're about to host the Netball World Cup in South Africa. We've had, as I say, a Cup of Nations competitions, a very successful 2010, arguably one of the best World Cups ever. United our nation every single time a major sporting event comes along. We have uh, sports to thank for bringing us all together. Well, today is that day. It is Freedom Day here in the Republic of South Africa. Hence, we have a slightly different program for you this evening. And uh, this evening, we are not having a special guest. We've given our guests an opportunity to have a break from being interviewed by me. So, for lack of any other reason, you and I are together on tonight's podcast from the boardroom to the locker room. And it is one that looks back at what has been so far two very, very interesting nights of Premier League football. That is primarily what our focus is on this evening. Let me just start off by giving you the results, if you've been living in a vacuum somewhere, of the matches on Tuesday evening. Bottom of the table clash, Leeds and Leicester drew one all. Aston Villa got a good win. They're right up at the top now, not top of the table, but in the top half of the table after beating Fulham by a goal to nil. And Wolverhampton Wanderers, they beat Crystal Palace 2-0. That was on Tuesday night. And then last night, there were four games played. Two had massive significance at the top and the bottom of the table. Top of the table, Manchester City and Arsenal. Bottom of the table, Nottingham Forest, who played Brighton and Hove Albion. When I say bottom of the table, I don't mean last. We're talking about bottom three, and we're talking about top two when I discuss top and bottom for you this evening. So Manchester City played Arsenal. They won by four goals to one. We'll go through that for you in a moment. And Nottingham Forest, a magnificent result for them. And they really did uh, go right down to the wire uh, in their game against Brighton and Hove Albion. It was an incredible game of football. Let's start with that one, if we may. Um, it was two teams that, uh, one, of course, uh, being a team that uh, are struggling big time at the bottom of the Premier League and hoping to stay up after coming up last season from the Championship. And the other, a team that, uh, unfortunately for them, were knocked out of the FA Cup at the weekend. They went to extra time and penalties against Manchester United. And then last night, they went 
right the way down to the almost 120th minute again. There was an injury in the uh, match. One of the Nottingham Forest players had a head injury and he had to be stretched off the field. That was about a 10-minute delay. And then the referee's optional time went way into the 100th minute. In fact, 110 minutes almost as the game went on. And eventually the referee's whistle blew. But let's talk about the game for you. And Brazilian forward Danilio, he got his first goal for Forest and helped them seal a 3-1 victory over Europe chasing Brighton and over Albion. That moves Nottingham Forest out of the relegation zone. It wasn't a great start for them when Brennan Johansson missed an early penalty at the city ground. And then Brighton deservedly took the lead when their 18-year-old Argentinian striker Facundo Buonanotte netted for the first time in the Premier League. But Forrest forced Brighton midfielder Pascal Gross to place the ball into his own net just seconds before halftime. And I think that the goal that actually swung the game, what a tremendous amount of support Nottingham Forest had from their home fans. Danilo capitalized from more sloppy play to put the home side in front in the second half. And then Morgan Gibbs-White scored late from the penalty spot as Nottingham Forest climbed to 17th, 30 points from 33 games, one clear of the drop zone, while Brighton remain in 8th. The victory ends an 11-game winless streak for Nottingham Forest, who had to weather a storm from the visitors, not only in the first half, but profited from three Brighton errors to snatch the win. There was perhaps a hangover from the South Coast's club after the penalty shootout lost to Manchester United. They did lack their usual precision and wasted numerous opportunities to score in what for Brighton was a below-par performance. But for Nottingham Forest, if they just play like this in their last couple of matches, I think they can actually stay out of the relegation zone. And perhaps what is always so important is not just to survive the first year after coming up to the Premier League, because when you get into the second year, you get what they call the balloon payments. Now, those balloon payments are all the money that you can then use to buy players, to improve the club, do all sorts of things, keep you up in the Premier League, like the likes of teams like Crystal Palace, for example, that have done that so well. Burnley coming back into the Premier League, having just won the championship promotion rather a couple of weeks ago. Uh, And then, of course, just through the course of this week, they uh, have managed to secure the title of uh, championship uh, winners which is always on the cards. I mean, it was just a matter of time. They have had a magnificent season. So back to that balloon payment, and that can be in the excess of up to 100 million pounds, which is an awful lot of money. You get that because it's from the year before. In other words, it's this year's money that they will receive next season from the rights holders, et cetera, et cetera. And that, of course, is what generally helps keep sides up. It's to survive the first year back in the Premier League. Okay, so what was the other game last night? Well, it was uh, being billed as the title decider. The reason for that is there was a five-point gap at the start of last night between Manchester City and Arsenal. Arsenal had played two more games than Manchester City due to the fact that Manchester City are still in a couple of other competitions, namely the FA Cup as well as the Champions League. So the quarterfinal, semifinal, and now the final of the uh, FA Cup, which does obviously take place after the league finishes. But those semifinals and quarterfinals is why Manchester City are a couple of games behind Arsenal, who were knocked out of the FA Cup early. Um, And that meant that there was a five-point gap between the two sides, but Arsenal have played two more games 
than what their title challengers have played. So into the action they went last night, and it was, it was so one-sided. I have to be honest with you. I don't know what's gone on with Arsenal. Remember, of course, they relinquished two games where they led by two goals to Nul Villa and Liverpool. And then they were 3-1 down against bottom of the table Southampton on Friday evening last week. And they did manage to come back also in referees' optional time to level matters there. But ultimately, they dropped six points in those three matches. And while they were dropping points, Manchester City were not even playing. Well, they got to last night, was being billed as the title decider. It definitely was Arsenal's opportunity. And remember, they've been top of the table. I think it's something like 185 of 187 days since the uh, Premier League started. So they've always been looking down at the teams below them. Well, uh, they are still looking down at teams below them. But now, if Manchester City were to even win and draw their two outstanding games, they would go top of the table. So it was a 4-1 victory. But I think the scoreline could have been 7 or 8. In fact, it could have been even more. Man City could have been 5-0 up at half time. I mean, it was thanks to some outstanding saves by the Arsenal goalkeeper that really kept uh, Arsenal in the game at times and also kept them in from being given an absolute massacre. Uh, and it was a hammer blow to their league uh, title chances. They outclassed Arsenal, electrifying display in what's been described as a seismic clash. Well, it wasn't. It was so one-sided. Pep Guardiola's side ran riot, 12 successive league wins against Arsenal, and it was Kevin De Bruyne who scored twice, Erling Haaland on target. City control their own destiny now. De Bruyne fired City ahead in the seventh minute. And City bombarded Arsenal's goal before John Stones doubled their lead with a header in first half stoppage time. And it was interesting because the ball was headed into the net. Then the linesman gave it offside. And then there was a good three minutes or so wait while VAR checked to see if the linesman was right. He wasn't. And it wasn't offside. Success for Stones and a very belated celebration, which gave them a 2-0 lead going into halftime. As I say, they began the game with five points clear, and it was just unbelievable. Uh, Rob Holding grabbed an 86-minute consolation, too far, too little, too late for Mikel Arteta's side. And now it looks as though Manchester City are going to claim a fifth title in six seasons. And uh, Erling Haaland, who had so many opportunities in the game last night, eventually got onto the score sheet in stoppage time. He's now scored 49 goals this season. That's right, 49 goals. Now, City's seventh successive league win left them with 73 points. Arsenal have 75, but crucially, they've played two fewer games than the Londoners, whose hopes of a first title since 2004 now look forlorn after four games without a win. Guardiola's side have trailed Arsenal for almost the entire season will go top if they beat Fulham at the weekend. Arsenal began knowing a first league victory against City since 2015 would have put them back in charge of the race after a terrible April in which points were just thrown away. Unlike against Southampton in the frantic 3-0 draw, they managed to get through the opening minute yesterday unscathed, but the writing was on the wall when Haaland showed great strength to control a high ball and send De Bruyne racing away into space, and a neat pass the Belgian ran through and just curled a skidding shot inside the post. Amazing. It was, as I say, uh, Ramsdale, the goalkeeper, who uh, kept Haaland out from close range. The Norwegian is having a season to note. He really, really is. If Arsenal hovered any hopes of salvaging something, 
They vanished in the 54th minute when Haaland, who could have had a hat-trick, fed De Bruyne for another clinical finish past Ramsdale. And there you go. That was it. Game, set, and a match. Great performance by the Manchester City boys. And uh, the only thing that can now stop them is a heavy, heavy schedule of matches. Of course, they've got Champions League action, semi-final, home and away. And they've also got the FA Cup final, although that is at the end of the Premier League season. Um, and they have all these games to catch up as well, in which they are behind in the Premier League. Of the other games last night, the big one that everyone's talking about this morning is Brentford condemning Chelsea to their fifth defeat in five games in all competitions under their interim coach, Frank Lampard. Yep, an own goal by their captain, Cesar Azpilicueta, and a second-half strike by Brian Mbuemu handed the Bees a 2-0 win in the Premier League. The loss left toothless Chelsea, now 11th in the Premier League, stumbling towards possibly their worst campaign since 1993-94, when they finished 14th under Glenn Hoddle, despite their new S owner's huge outlay on players. Brentford went ahead when Matthias Jorgensen headed in from a corner at the near post, and the ball struck us Pilaqueta and went in after 37 minutes before the visitors had even had a shot on their own target. Lampard, Chelsea's third coach this season, after the dismissal of Thomas Tuchel and Graham Potter, brought on uh, Murdike, the winger, and striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and at halftime, as he sought to end a golf drought, has now seen the London side only score once in seven games in all competitions. Um, it was substitute Mbuemo who showed the Blues how to do it in the 78th minute, when he drifted in from the right and fiercely hit shot was deflected beyond uh, Azabalaga. Three points pushed Brentford up a spot to ninth in the league, eight points ahead of their big spending West London neighbours, for whom this season cannot finish quick enough. Media reports say Chelsea are close to hiring former Tottenham manager Mauricio Pochettino as coach for next season. Right, the other game last night, and Joel Matip gave Liverpool a 2-1 Premier League win over West Ham. That's moved them above Spurs and back into the European places after a frenetic end-to-end game at the London Stadium. The Reds are in sixth spot in the table on 53 points ahead of Spurs, thanks to their far superior goal difference, and one point behind Aston Villa with a game in hand as they seek to salvage a disappointing season. The visitors had to battle hard for their victory. West Ham taking the lead in a magnificent fashion. Lucas Paqueta cut in from the left and played a 1-2 with Michal Antonio before firing home from the edge of the penalty area. That lead only lasted six minutes as the Dutch striker Cody Gakpo received the pass in the centre, taking a touch before unleashing a bouncing shot that evaded the diving Fabianski before nestling in the far corner. Now, it took a brilliant piece of defending by Virgil van Dijk to prevent West Ham going ahead again just before half-time. He got a toe to a superbly angled shot from Saeed Ben-Rama to prevent Antonio from scoring. Liverpool dominated possession throughout the Hammers were dangerous on the break, and they had a brilliant solo goal by Jared Bowen ruled out after a VAR review found him to be offside early in the second half. Manager Jurgen Klopp was pleased with both the result and the performance, but the German said that qualifying for the Champions League was still beyond his side. He said it's not in their hands, or why should he talk about it? When he was interviewed after the match, Hammers boss David Moyes was left frustrated 
by the decision not to award his team a penalty for a handball, and he strode to the centre circle to have a go at referee Chris Kavanagh at the final whistle. He said, when a player lunges in the box, it's different from a slip. It's different from trying to break your fall when you lunge in the box, your arms are out. It was a penalty, he says. The loss brought an end to a run that saw West Ham take seven points from three games and dropped them one spot to 14th, five points ahead of Leicester City in 18th place. So, uh, lots to still play for. Let's have a look now at what the Premier League table looks like going into the games this weekend, which we will be previewing in tomorrow night's show. So, you're going to have to wait until tomorrow evening if you want to know what games there are going to be in the Premier League over the weekend. So let's start at the top of the table. We have mentioned it, but let's make uh, it clear that Arsenal are still on top of the table. Points in the bag are always better than games in hand. At least that's what I think. Um, I'm not sure what you think. Manchester City are two games behind and two points behind. So if they win all their games, as we mentioned before, and that, of course, was before last night's match, now that is even more prevalent because they've got past what arguably is their most difficult hurdle, I reckon. And they are two points behind, as I say, with two games in hand. Now, Newcastle and Manchester United, the two of them battling it out. Newcastle have played 31 games. They have 59 points. Manchester United have only played 30 games, also have 59 points. So um, that was the race, not the title race. I wish it was a title race. Uh, That is the race for third place, the automatic qualification for Champions League, but even if either of those two sides were to finish fourth, they're still in the Champions League. They might just have to go away and play in some little tiny place where a, a baker, a butler, and a candlestick maker make up the front row of the team that they have to play in some remote Norwegian city or somewhere like that. That's normally where they end up. You could always slip on your own banana peel in games like that, but it's highly unlikely that a team like Newcastle or Manchester United would have too much trouble in getting past a team in those qualifying rounds. But again, it's just an extra game early, early in the season that neither of the sides, I guess, would want unless they have to. But they obviously want to be in the Champions League. Then fifth place is Aston Villa, having played 33 games with 54 points. Now, there is an importance here because this, of course, is Europa Cup places also in Europe, albeit the second tier of European football. But it still is European football. It's still midweek football. And it still obviously brings more people into the ground and ticket sales in the Premier League and Champions League and Europa League are of the utmost importance for teams' revenue. Liverpool in sixth place, 53 points, say one game behind Aston Villa. They do have a game in hand, and if they do win that game in hand, they will get up to fifth place. And then Spurs, who really are having a tough time, and they play Manchester United tonight to Spurs. Anything can happen with regards to that game. It really is going to be interesting to see what happens there. Spurs, I guess, will come out of the blocks firing after the 6-1 demolition at the weekend against Newcastle. Manchester United will be thinking to themselves, hmm, we can catch a goal early tonight, or two or three, we can actually put Spurs to the sword as well. Brighton have Albion in 8th place with Brentford 9th and Fulham 10th. Interesting, the likes of Brighton, Brentford and Fulham who are sitting 8th, 9th and 10th. The bottom of the top half of the table are names that were synonymous with sitting 18th, 19th and 20th in years gone by. Chelsea 11th. My goodness gracious, we would have dreamed that Chelsea would be in 11th place at the beginning of the season. People would have thought they would have been at least uh, challenging for Champions League spot 
if not European spots. And the bottom of the table is getting more and more interesting every single day. Southampton and Everton, well, they're sitting there at the moment languishing in 19th and 20th position. Everton in action against Newcastle tonight. Southampton, 24 points from 32 games. Everton, 28 points from 32 games. Leicester City in the relegation zone now, 29 points from 33 games. And after their magnificent win last night, Nottingham Forest 3-1 win last night takes them out of the relegation zone and puts them in 30th, in 17th place with 33 games played and 30 points in the bag. Same as Leeds and then three points behind Bournemouth with West Ham on 34, Wolves on 37, along with Crystal Palace, Chelsea 39. So I think, as we keep saying, it's those teams from Leeds, Forest, Leicester, Everton, Hampton, uh, maybe Bournemouth as well, but I think Bournemouth are okay. From those uh, five teams, three are going to go down and two of those five are going to stay up. Only time will tell. Tonight's fixtures, they are interesting ones indeed. Everton host Newcastle United. Southampton play Bournemouth. Now, Bournemouth, a win for Bournemouth tonight will clearly pull them right out of that uh, battle at the bottom. But a win for Southampton will put Bournemouth in a spot of bother and perhaps even miraculously lift Southampton off the bottom of the table. And then, of course, the last game tonight sees Spurs uh, in front of their home fans, whom, I might add, they've reimbursed fans that went away to watch them play Newcastle. They've reimbursed them the cost of their tickets. Um, They will be, I don't know whether they're going to be welcomed at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium tonight or whether they're going to be booed. I guess come half time, we will know if they are yelling and screaming the Spurs fans uh, at their players. It's not because they're leading, it's because they're losing. So we'll see how that goes. Manchester United, you can be sure, will be wanting to put them to the sword. That is our review of the midweek matches in the English Premier League on this Freedom Day here in South Africa. Hopefully you are now completely up to date with what's been going on with regards to the uh, Premier League action through the midweek, the big news, Nottingham Forest out of the relegation zone and Arsenal in big trouble now. Manchester City have the Premier League title in their own hands. Until tomorrow evening, be nice to each other. Bye-bye.